All right, welcome everybody to the FMF State of Mind podcast one more time. I'm your host Antonio as always, and we have a very special guest. As you know, this week Mexico is going to be facing the Netherlands on Wednesday. It is their first European friendly in seems like 500 years it's been so long since we've made the trip uh to the old continent but we finally are they're gonna be facing the netherlands and then algeria also in the netherlands and joining us today is a writer from football orange michael statham michael how you doing man thanks for being on no i'm good thank you thanks for having me yeah it's um good to have a good chat good chat about this game and sort of hear where mexico are at too because I think they're two two good teams that are going head to head here. Definitely, definitely. I know the Mexican public in in Mexico and the U.S. are very excited for this. Like I said, it's been it seems like so long since we've had international uh, games. We just had our first one against um, who was I already forgot against Guatemala the other day. So like, and that was kind of a walk in the park. This one I don't expect it to be. So it's it'll be it'll be a good challenge for the Mexican team, and it's great to have you on. Have your thoughts about the Dutch national team and everything. Uh, these are two teams that have quite a history, uh, going back to 2014, if you know, so, uh, it's going to be very interesting for the Mexican side to get to face the Netherlands again, so it, I think it's going to be a good one. Yeah, it will be, and this, yeah, the history between these two teams, <laughs> you know, with Robin coming back from, uh, retirement, Shemi couldn't see him dipping into the squad to have a... <laughs> oh man, I can imagine the scenes if Robin had been called up. I, I don't know what have, what would have happened, but... That <laughs> it, it would have been good for 2020. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna start with uh, obviously the this is gonna be the first test for the new manager over there in the Netherlands, Frank de Boer. Pretty familiar face to people over here in the U.S. Obviously, he was with Atlanta United. Didn't go too great. He doesn't have the best reputation internationally right now after a couple of bad spells at obviously Atlanta, Crystal Palace, and everything like that. So that's the that's actually the first thing I wanted to ask you is how is how is that public opinion of De Boer's um, assignment over there after Ronald Koeman left for Barcelona. How's that going? Yeah, not good actually because a lot of uh, Netherlands supporters don't don't feel as if it's a good point, good appointment at all. Well, obviously, De Boer was a great player. Uh, there's no denying that. And the things he did with Ajax, he won the league four times in a row. See, that, that's obviously a great achievement. However, you'd if you were watching Ajax at the time, I think you'd notice that it started off pretty well, but they never made a real impact in the in European competition, always knocked out of the Champions League or the Europa League. Um, and in the league too, the last year or two where he won the league, it was a very, very poor league that year and there wasn't much competition for Ajax. Um, so like that, that sort of dwindled away. And then of course he had his bad times with Crystal Palace and um, Atlanta. Yeah, I, I, there's there's not many, many positives to it. I mean, we, we ran a poll on our Twitter page and over 65% said it was a, a terrible appointment. Um, some, oh, wow. so, yeah, I know. Some were willing to give him a chance, but I think only <clears throat> it was less than 10% said it was a good appointment to make. I mean, I don't know what positivity you can take given his career so far. Some are saying that perhaps because Koeman's done all the hard work, maybe Dubois just comes in and he takes over from that and he can keep going what was already a good, a good sort of foundation. He wasn't allowed to change any of the backroom staff, so again, is that going to help? Um, the playing staff, he hasn't made many surprises in his uh, his selection for, for the game. I'm, 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 not, I'm very much an optimist here with, with De Bruyne. I don't think it's going to be a good appointment. And I, I wonder what the football is going to be like too, because he's always had a reputation for um, 
very sort of boring football. It's not going to go well. He's always quite arrogant, and if, if he doesn't get his own way, um, the players often often get quite angry with the fact that they're not listening to, to them. And yeah, he, he thinks he knows best, I think. And I don't know how his spell in America went, but I've heard that it was sounded quite similar to how it went at Crystal Palace. Very brief, and just that he he tried to implement all this style of play, and the players didn't agree with him. Right. Yeah, I think that's kind of what. Uh... You know, this isn't an MLS podcast. No. I'm not the MLS expert on here, but that's kind of exactly how it went. I I would always hear about <clears throat> him having problems with his star players, PT Martinez being one of them. He jumped ship to Saudi Arabia not too long, not too long before DeBoer was actually fired. So, um, in the MLS's back tournament, I don't think they won a single game. I don't even think they scored a single goal under the under DeBoer, which led to his firing. So yeah, he's not he doesn't have the best. Uh, <laughs> Like I said, doesn't have the best reputation right now. What other uh, was there any other managers in the works for you guys, or at least like talking about, or what? Like, yeah. Why, why was DeBoer pretty much chosen after his kind of this whole debacle with him? I think your last question there, I, I really can't give an answer to. It's, it's it's a very bizarre appointment. It seems like one of those ones where you kind of go, oh, well, he's a safe pair of hands, but yeah, you can't really call him that, can you? After his last couple of jobs. Yeah, he, he's obviously someone who's experienced with the Dutch national team and knows what's expected. Um, with, with the players, I guess he, he, he can have a bit of a level with them considering he's been at the top of the game and he can talk about things like that. But in terms of the other appointments, there were lots of other interesting names put in the hat. All of them Dutch, interestingly, and I, I don't know whether that's perhaps one of the downfalls of, of this appointment because they didn't look elsewhere and they just wanted someone Dutch who was going to come in and settle in immediately and try and take hold of what Koeman laid down before he had to leave. Um, yeah, Louis van Gaal was mentioned to have a third period in charge of the Dutch, which would have been very interesting. Yeah, who would have set off many fireworks, I think, amongst the players because there's rumours that he doesn't get on with um, Memphis Depay or Virgil van Dijk. And it, it sounded a bit like some of the players were consulted with who would be the next manager. Um, one player in particular denied that fact, but they were actually putting certain names into hats such as Henk Ten Carter, um, Frank Rijkaard, for example. Uh, but my, my friend over at Football Anya, he, he reckons that both those names were a smokescreen and actually De Boer was their target all along. But I, I, I have a feeling that Louis van Gaal was approached for a third term in charge and maybe the players just said, nope, I think we've had enough of him for the first couple of times. But uh, he would have been a great manager and I think he would have... I mean, he, he never had, he was never the best manager ever, but everyone remembers those games, you know, the ne Spain won, Netherlands five. Um, but I guess other fans don't remember the, the games where it was those nil-nil draws with that Argentina in the same competition. So it, it swings and roundabouts, isn't it? Um, but yeah, Van Gaal would have definitely been interesting, I think. I think so too, especially for this game. We're talking about Rob and Van Gaal was, was on the touchlines as well yeah. during that uh, famous Mexico game. So... Uh, it would be very interesting to see him back on there. Obviously, and obviously kind of a little bit of symmetry here. You know, Tata Martino, Mexico's coach, left Atlanta to join the Mexican national team. DeBoer was his replacement. And now he there, here they are meeting, you know, in an international match, which I think is kind of funny. So, but, you know, talking, you know, keep uh, keeping the theme of the whole coaching situation. Um, obviously, I think I think DeBoer and Kuman have their, obviously have their differences in their styles and their tactics. Uh uh, we talked about that a little bit, but what what do you expect to see differently from Koeman's Netherlands to now De Boer's Netherlands, even in this first game? Yeah, 
When when Cumin left and he he left his interim manager in charge, um, Dwight Odeveges, it was rather dry football already. So there's not going like, to it's not there's not exactly far to fall for Frank de Boer if if it is going to be pretty tepid stuff. Um, yeah, I'm expecting it to be quite possession based. I'm expecting it to be quite tight defensively, um, quite conservative football. But again, that's what the Netherlands were doing once Cumin had left. And when 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 they beat Poland, I think oh geez, it put them in the spot now. Just going to check the score quickly. Yeah, it was a one 0 win, and it wasn't a great game. Um, and then they lost to Italy one 0 So it's not like they were creating many chances in those games. I expect something quite similar again. I think if Mexico come to frustrate, I'm not sure too too much about how Mexico are going to set up for this game. But I personally think yeah, if they come for for an exercise and try and defend and. Um, want to see how they can hit Netherlands on the break. I think it would be the perfect opportunity for them to do so because uh, of the way that I think De Boer is going to set up. It would be he'll, he'll want to try and have plenty of the ball and trying to surround the penalty area and try and get runners in. Um, but I can't see it happening. I can't see them pulling it off. Just because at the minute the Netherlands are lacking that striker who can really um, take the scuff of the neck of this match. Memphis Depay is a great, great player. And when he's wearing a Netherlands t-shirt, he always plays to his best. However, he's playing as a striker at the moment and doesn't have a lot of quality support around him, meaning that he kind of gets isolated quite a lot. Um, Quinta Promes is a, is a good player, but not a great one. Um, Daniel Marlin could be given another chance in an Evelyn shirt, uh, but he's just come back from a long-term injury. Um, there's other options too, but they're often quite young or they, they play far too deep. So Frank de Jong is a, is a world-class player, but he's playing deep in midfield and won't be able to have that impact. You know, he's not going to be someone who's going to push it next to Memphis. So yeah, they're kind of lacking a couple of really good wingers or a 10 at the minute that's really going to support Memphis or someone who can play up top and Memphis can play off. Yeah, definitely. And kind of going off that, what do you what kind of starting 11 do you, do you expect going into this game as De Boer's first match? And... Uh, more importantly, what kind of, I know, like you said, the Netherlands have a lot of youth coming through. And I think if, if, if you, you know, if you look, take a look at their team sheet, you have some names that, you know, maybe not every football fan knows, but if you are a real, you know, kind of hipstery football fan, you kind of know these names, such as Coop Miner, such as uh, Iha Taran, uh, you know, such as Bergwijn and Malin. What, what players do you expect first to play against Mexico and that Mexican fans need to kind of be aware of? Yeah, the starting eleven shouldn't be too different. Again, uh, Kuman sort of got a reputation for keeping the same eleven most of the time. Uh, for example, uh, Jasper Sillerson doesn't play a lot of club level, but always seems to get picked in goal at international level. Particularly at the minute, that's not a bad thing considering that there aren't a lot of other choices around him. But yeah, Sillerson in goal, and I reckon it will be a back four. You'll probably see um, Denzel Dumfries start a right back, who's a PSV captain. Uh, left back, it'd be Daley Blint, the Man United, or ex Man United player, um, and in the middle, Van Dijk. And because De Ligt is out injured at the minute, it's likely to be Stefan de Vlaai, who was the Serie A defender of the season last season. So again, like centre back wise, the Dutch aren't struggling, and they have got quite a solid spine of a team. Then I guess in midfield, you're going to see Frank de Jong, um, supported by most likely Merton Daron. Um, and Jorginho Wijnaldum, the Liverpool attacking midfielder. And then the, the front three, it's going to be, without doubt, Memphis Depay in the middle. And he's likely to be supported by Bergwijn and Promes. 
but I wouldn't be surprised if someone different is thrown in there because it is Frank de Boer's first game, but we'll soon see. I just hope we don't see Ryan Barbel um, or Kevin Stroitman near the squad. Dutch fans are getting a bit of reputation now of um, not wanting these players in the squad and it's up to someone like de Boer to take that opportunity, you know, becoming Netherlands manager and saying, actually, you might add something to the dressing room, but you're not adding anything on the pitch. And he needs to be brave to try and take these players out of the team for me. Um, and to answer your final question there about who to keep an eye out for, yeah, Mohamed Ihatad, and he's a teenager and he's in the Netherlands squad. He needs to be given his debut um, in one of the competitive matches to time down to the Netherlands because Morocco want to take him off the Dutch hands. Um, and yeah, Daniel Marlon, I'm really hoping he gets to play against Mexico. If he doesn't start, he'll come off the bench. And I think that he will be the starting striker in the years to come and he, he'll offer some pace to the bench. So if it is a bit deadlocked towards late in the game, Marlon will come on and try and make a difference for me. Definitely. And those are two players that I know pretty well, considering I follow PSV quite a bit. Because um, they've had so many Mexican players yeah. over there, and they have one right now in Eric Gutierrez. So um, uh, every time I I, I, I always kind of pay attention to PSV games, and I see, oh, Ihatarin scored four this match, or Malin scored four this match. And like, they 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 are ones that caught my eye pretty, pretty, uh, Pretty early on, and he had Tarn. He's only 18, correct? Yeah, very young player. Yeah, very, very young player. So that's definitely some somebody that is probably going to help you guys out a lot in the future. So, uh, kind of switching gears, talk about the players to be afraid of from the Mexican perspective of the Netherlands. Now, how about some Mexican players that you know of that are coming over that Netherlands fans and the Netherlands team should kind of be watching out for? Yeah, so I, I, can, I can have a look in, in this squad and I can see so many familiar names um, from the Dutch league. Yeah, it's great to see so many Mexican players come over, isn't it, and really make a name for themselves. I always remember Hector Moreno being a great defender uh, when he was at PSV. It's a shame he's, he's decided to take the money now in Qatar, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. I was yeah, quite keen you know, to actually get... That's how it goes. I know, obviously, you're the podcast host, but I was quite interested to hear what you think about um, Edson Alvarez, just because at Ajax, he's not really doing a great deal at the moment. He's a centre-back who... He's been pushing his defensive midfield. He doesn't offer a lot. No, Edson Alvarez, I think, is uh, he's definitely somebody that Mexican fans are... It's kind of it's kind of a fan favorite. Somebody who's near and dear to Mexican fans' heart. Um, I think when he first got to Ajax and we started seeing the goals that he was scoring from midfield uh, in the Champions League, everybody got a, kind of got a little too excited too quickly. Uh, but... Obviously, then he started struggling with, you know, some family issues with, with the visas and everything not coming through for his family and, you know, started struggling a little bit off the pitch. Um, it's nice to see him start at Ajax. That's the thing. And obviously, Ajax have had a have gotten fleeced just like they, you know, just like they tend to do from their players. So it's a little bit easier to get that starting spot. But, um, yeah, it's definitely somebody that we wish can have a long and fruitful career in Europe. Um uh, we understand that he's maybe not in the best uh, situation right now, and obviously that red card a couple weeks ago is kind of not uh, not not a good look, uh, you know. But you know he's obviously still so young, and he's he did great over here in Mexico. You know, scored two goals in his last game in the final to give Club America the title. So um, he's definitely somebody we are pretty leaning heavily on in terms of going uh, being a that deep lying midfielder of the future but uh yeah hopefully he just he just gets better at his club level so yeah no fingers crossing because he's got capabilities it's just uh, i think i actually start a play so different as well um just takes some time to adjust doesn't it but yeah like 
and 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 Herving Lozano as well. Um, I was always a big fan of him when he played at PSV. Um, I haven't actually noticed how he, he's got on since he's moved to Napoli, but he's someone I think that will certainly cause Dutch a lot of problems. And I think, the, yeah, Jesus Corona as well. He's played for Twente quite a few years ago. Um, Elwes, yeah, I rate, definitely rate those two guys. And um, Andres Guardado as well. Still getting selected for Mexico, I see. Yeah, still. And I, honestly, I didn't expect that, especially since he's coming off an injury at Betis. But, uh, you know, I guess he I guess he needed that leadership in the midfield. And, you know, I'm not we're not mad at it. We love uh, our captain death, but I, I did not expect that call up. I, I will be honest. But yeah, yeah. Talking about Chucky and uh, and Corona, uh, definitely. The, uh, I think every Mexican fan want, against the Netherlands, they want to see a front three of Raúl Jiménez, who's the Mexican star at the moment at Wolves, and on the wings of Lozano and Corona. I think that would be everybody's dream come true, and I really hope and I expect Martino to go that route. Because, yeah, Lozano and Corona have done very well. Obviously, Corona was voted uh, as the Portuguese League. Now that he's a Portuguese, Portuguese League best player, FC Porto's best player last season. And Lozano, he struggled initially at Napoli. Uh, didn't have a great uh, first season. He was played out of position a lot. He was played uh, as a striker a couple times, as a center forward, which is not where you want to play him under Ancelotti and Gattuso. Now his second year has, has started off pretty well. Uh, I think Gattuso really, really rates him and really wants him to to fit well into this team. Um, his his teammates are starting to find him a lot more. They used to not, so that that's good to see. But yeah, hopefully he can he can show uh, he can show uh, what he's doing good at the club level with the national team. So definitely, I think those three are the ones that everybody wants to see. But uh, kind of moving on, and this is kind of not. This is not fully about the national team, this next question, but I just kind of always wondered it myself, and I know a lot of people have too. Uh, the European opinion, and obviously since you, you're British, you also cover the Netherlands, you kind of have uh, two going on here, but kind of the European European opinion of the Mexican player and the, the, one, the, you know, the players that come from Mexico to over to Europe and, you know, the the league as a whole, like Liga Mekis or like the Mexican football system back here. What do you guys kind of know about it? And, you know, what's what's kind of the reputation over there in Europe? Yeah, nice question. Um, as someone doesn't uh, cast an eye too much over to the Mexican league, I, I know that I've heard different bits and pieces. And I'm, I, the, the opinion I'm sort of forming is that <laughs> I often hear that it's quite a crazy league. <laughs> I often catch a few clips on the online, but... I'm someone who watches the Dutch league and it's crazy for its bad defending <laughs> and multiple, multiple goals you get all the time. But also, um, Vincent Janssen, who is a Dutch striker playing over there, play for Spurs, play for Arsenal Alkmaar. Yeah, he, he gave the opinion that he thinks the Mexican league is stronger than the Dutch league, um, which I thought was fascinating because uh, the, the Dutch league has, it, has got its top teams and it has also got some strength in depth, but perhaps not as much as over in Mexico. Um, I don't know if that's because of money or because of them keeping younger players for longer. Um, but I find it a very interesting opinion, um, especially given how strong the Dutch league is relatively to most other countries in, in the world and um, particularly in Europe as well, where it's, it's, it's sort of a top 10 league, I guess you could call it, uh, especially when you glance towards the coefficient. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of what I'm hearing quite a lot. and. It's, I think years ago it used to be slated quite a lot, but not so much nowadays. 
right now definitely when you said it was a crazy league i that i mean it's it's 100 true it is nuts over here man it's 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 some crazy stuff happens we don't even you you should tune in sometime because it, it is you're you're gonna be blown away by what you see sometimes but uh no it's it's definitely uh, i always kind of wondered that because i think a lot of especially right now mexican the mexican media and mexican fans in general have we have a really big competition with with the us and the mls so we're always pitting the media especially is always pitting them against each other like oh especially right now where the american players like tyler adams pulisic uh weston mckinney and all those are getting big moves serginio dest you know so the mexican media is just kind of playing up like all oh, the us is beating us look what's happening here and we always trying to compete at a club level and as a national team level so that i always kind of wonder what the whole opinion is like of the mexican league and stuff like that and obviously with jansen's comments um i mean i can't say i agree <laughs> saying it's just as strong as the as the Eredivisie. um i think a lot of people get confused uh with i think a lot of people get parity confused with like the strength of the league because there is a lot of parity over here we tend to never have the same champion twice um, obviously we have short tournaments so it's like two in one year but you know we tend to not have you know maybe club america will win it. It, it's never it's it's never like the bottom teams but it's always like club america wins or monterey or tigres or somebody else and somebody you know there's always a, a dark horse that makes an appearance in the final so i think that's what gives the liga mech is kind of a little bit of an edge just a, of how much parity there is um but yeah i always kind of wondered what the opinion was overseas so that's very interesting and uh so we can we're getting kind of near the end of this but uh before we go i wonder can i share my screen real quick on this something's appearing oh can you see it i can't see anything yet but it, yeah oh it's doing something yeah i can see something but you okay. might okay you, there we go i, I got I, it i want yeah i wanted to share my screen real quick just because i want you to kind of react in real time we mentioned that the netherlands and mexico had a history so i kind of want to get your opinion on this right here um <laughs> as soon as i play this sound in the podcast everybody's going to immediately know what this is and you probably already do so let's just give it a watch shall we yeah i mean he dives didn't he <laughs> <laughs> it was... You know, um, I, 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 did, I, I was giggling at it just because of the reaction that, that everyone had of it about it afterwards. Um, but you have you have to understand how I'm sure everyone who's listened to the podcast loves Mexican football, so would would totally understand. But yeah, the fact that Mexico obviously. I have a, have a proud history of football and they really want to get far in these kind of tournaments, especially the World Cup. And you can understand how just how frustrated they must be that yet again they couldn't make it through because of a decision like that. And that must be incredibly, incredibly frustrating. Um, so I totally get it. And it was a dive. No, yeah. <laughs> it was, so it wasn't a penalty, is what you're saying? No. <laughs> <laughs> finally, 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 ladies and gentlemen, there you have it, right here. <laughs> But no, 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 no. I've had, honestly, I've had a, an, uh, not an alarm, but like a calendar note on my phone from that day since 2014. So every every year, I still get that, you know, no era penal, it wasn't yeah. a penalty anniversary on this day. We, 
I, I don't know if you guys knew how big of a cultural revolution this caused um, over here, but uh, it was it was quite the day, I gotta say. So yeah, it's it, this is always gonna be remembered. Like uh, the Netherlands are always kind of gonna. It's not it's not a rivalry, I would say, but it's always kind of gonna be a a, fa a fond unlucky memory for us. So I think that's why everybody always looks forward to facing the, the Netherlands. So. Yeah, no, I mean, a very, a very tough moment for, for many Mexican fans. It's, and, and hopefully it never happens again. And with VAR nowadays, it should be very different, I imagine, with some of those decisions that are given. Um, I, mean, I, I mean, I imagine, but at the end of the day, sometimes, like, over here in the Mexican League, if, if, if even the referee sees a contact, whether he dives or not, they always call the pen. So, who knows? Who knows? That's very surprising. I'd say that, yeah, you're more likely to see the opposite in Europe where... You, there's a lot of caution given, and then and then I have a look back and go, oh, actually, it was a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just it's probably never going to be forgotten um, until Mexico obviously make the make the um, quarterfinals finally. So <laughs> one day it will happen. And one day it, it's one day, very frustrating day. as well because you can you can see the amount of teams that are obviously trying to progress to that kind of level, and the Netherlands are definitely one of those where. If they got to the quarterfinals of the next World Cup, they, they'd be delighted. Um, just because of failing to, to qualify even for tournaments the last few years. That, I mean, that was the last one they were in. Um, that was the last entertainment that the Dutch had. So, yeah, um, I, I think it will be quite competitive looking at the next World Cup and this should warm us up quite nicely for it. I don't know, I don't know what, what, what do you think is going to happen in the game? Cause, just because I... I don't know how to call it, just because I don't really know what where, where like Mexico are at at the moment, and especially for a friendly as well, it's hard to kind of predict these kind of games, isn't it? But I can see it being quite tight. No, definitely, and I, and we'd hope so. I think uh, with us not having a bunch of playing time under our belt, obviously with you know the whole coronavirus situation, not letting international football uh, take place, uh, so this is kind of this is only going to be our second match. I think Mexican fans are going to be happy. You know, win or loss, if we give, if we go to the Netherlands, go to their house, give them a good game, like you said, catch them on a break a few times. Uh, reminiscent to the game against Germany in 2018, if we if we go there and do what we need to do, and our and our stars shine like they like they should, I think Mexican fans are going to be happy. Um, at the end of the day, we've been asking for friendlies like this for a long time, and now we're getting them the netherlands and then algeria who are the african champions so i think i think i think it's a it's a good it's it's good all around as long as mexico goes and plays well so but uh yeah pretty much coming to the end of this now uh i want to ask finally what's what's going to be the final score for the game on wednesday what what's going to happen i think there's going to be less than two goals in the game <laughs> i think there'll be i think it'll be one nil but i don't know which way um, I am going to say 1-0 to the Dutch, but I don't think it's going to be a fantastic game. And I also don't think the Dutch are going to play very well either. I hope we all remain awake. If we, if we remain awake after 90 minutes, we've done pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. I'm going to go with... Uh, I don't think there's going to be a lot of goals either. I am... I'm going to back Mexico on this one. But, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 2-1. I'm going to say 2-1, and one of the goals is going to be a Raul Jimenez penalty. That's what I'll say. He rarely misses those, but though I that now that I just said that, he might miss the one on Wednesday. Well, we have to have a penalty but, in the match, don't we? Especially after the last occasion. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah we, we definitely have to. <laughs> but, yeah. 
All right, that was great. Uh, thank you once again, Michael, for joining us. Uh, we're all looking forward to the match. Hopefully, it's going to be a good one. Uh, so thank you once again. I'm going to let you uh, right here plug whatever you want to plug and tell the people where they can follow you at. Yeah, sure. So um, we are a Dutch football website. We do everything in the English language. Um, we have a website, a YouTube channel. We have a podcast, um, all sorts of things you can check out uh, from us. We're, we're footballani.com. Um, yeah, I mean... <laughs> If, if you if you search us up, I'm sure you'll find us. Um, Dutch football website in the English language. Thanks for the plug. I mean, oh, and of course, we're not just about the, the Dutch national team. We do, of course, cover the Dutch league as well. Um, and many of the Dutch players that play abroad. All right, and look who's late. Fashionably late, like a true Mexican. Nestor, my co-host, Ness. Where you at, man? Where you been at? I'm hiding, bro. Just had lunch with the in-laws. And that's one of the things that like, you said. Oh, you, and and, and you, I know. It wasn't that. They're pretty cool. It's not that bad. But like you said, it's like this is probably the most Mexican thing we ever done on the podcast. Me showing up late. So, you know, can't critique bro, it too hard. <laughs> I texted, uh, no, no lie, I texted Nestor. Like, uh, we're recording this at noon, central time. I, re I texted him at 11, like, hey, you ready for the pot in an hour? And he's like, bro, I thought you meant 12 at night. <laughs> real I was talk. like, what? <laughs> uh, so we had to scramble but you missed michael you missed uh michael statham jason statham's Stay brother, Statham's brother? the one yeah, that killed we Han? Had him on <laughs> yeah we had him on we talked about the netherlands but now it's time to get the mexican perspective exactly late yeah. as usual uh, <laughs> uh but yeah man yeah, it, mexico netherlands man uh what, what's your first thoughts on this match my first thoughts, I was like, oh, this would be like a fun game. I remember the last time we had that friendly, Carlos Vela showed mm -hmm. up and we were able to win it. Oh, back when Carlos Vela showed up? Four, three. Times. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was a great time. And then you saw him like up front. And then you also saw Tegatito and Lozano attacking. And you were just like, this is the most excited I've been in a while. You know what I mean? And it was a kind of a retribution type game because we didn't have Carlitos Vela in 2014. So once he came back to the national team, we were like, anything is possible. Because mm -hmm. I think he scored two goals in that he game. He did, bro. And I was like, all right, you know. But, that was a great and, game and, because and, and it was then, the first game after the Noeta Penal. And I think that was. Yes. I think that might have been my first time cutting class in high school. Yeah, like sophomore year, so like, damn, this feels like it was yesterday, bro. bro. Like that, like, yeah, damn, like, like when you said that right now, like you're about to graduate. You already graduated. Yeah, I already graduated fucking <laughs> college. college, but like th this is a long time ago. This was like that was my first time skipping in high school, and it would, it was, it was a good time. Holy oh, shit, memories. Damn, I'm feeling ancient now. Damn, bro. the age is showing. Feels like it was just yesterday. It's 2020. The president has COVID, and we're just taking it a day at a time, baby. <laughs> But my first initial thoughts when I saw that call-up sheet, I was like, who the Netherlands calling up? You know, I was like, let's see, who, who they got, Babel? Who, like, don't don't he play in, uh, what is it called? It's like uh, like the Turkish Premier League. I was like, hey, you know, I, I ain't too worried. You know, then I look at the sheet and I'm just like, oh, fuck, I forgot he's from the Netherlands. Oh, I forgot he's from the Netherlands. I was like, damn, this is a lot of good players. Damn, this is like half an Aja uh, 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 yeah, Ajax squad. Damn, that guy plays there. Damn, he plays for Liverpool. I'm like, oh, fuck, I forgot. <laughs> but I was like, damn, this is bogus. And I looked at Mexico side. And I'm like, damn, we got Talavera. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing wrong with Talavera. He's rocking the shit out that kit. And he's, he's probably the, been the brightest spot for Pumas fans this season. But it's like, damn, like you kind of showed you the levels where they're compared to where we're at. Which, with coaching-wise, you can kind of make the argument. But these are two coaches that both were just in the MLS. One of them successful, one of them not. Bro, but when there's little symmetry here. Talent, Tata's replacement yeah. at Atlanta was DeBoer. Now here they are together. Huh? Small world. It's wild, bro. Like you, you, I know, bro. Atlanta. <laughs> just let you know, Atlanta bro. is 
either they know what they're doing or they don't yeah somehow like atlanta like you're either you're you're gonna you're set for life and you get a national team or you fucking fail and you still get a national team so you know what exactly wins all around exactly it's still not as bad as juan carlos osorio being linked to luca but that's a whole other story <laughs> but yeah that, that that was my first things as far as on the mexican side uh, the news recently came out that Irving Lozano as Napoli is going to enter the quarantine because there's suspected cases or there is confirmed cases. I haven't heard any, heard any updates as far as that's concerned, but he's going to miss out on the flight. As far as everyone else, it was a lot of the MLS players, which I was really surprised. But then again, it's like I really like Jonathan Dos Santos. He can find a lot of space in that midfield. And I think he's one player in the MLS I always want to see called up. Everybody else is like, eh, even like Polido and even like Cheech sucks now. So he just got his bag and he chilling, having another kid. And then Bolido's playing good. So, like, I could see him getting play up time. But it's like, I think his time's kind of passed. And then, um, obviously, Pizarro and all that. And apparently, there, because there's been so many sports, so much sports going on. But when, when, when I was thinking about it, I was like, I was like, yeah, I was like, the MLS guys are like, they're off season, right? So they got time to travel. Bro, I didn't know they're like mid season, like, bro, about to go like, into playoffs. Yeah, bro, I'm like, like didn't they just, didn't they, like, I thought the bubble just happened. Like, what the fuck is going on? I'm like, damn, but that lets you know, like, I live in the US and I haven't heard shit about the, about the MLS and like the sports world. Like, you turn on anything and no one's talking about them, which for good reason, because the league is trash and there's no defending. But as far as, you know, like attackers, they try to hype everything up, especially as the playoffs are coming up. So I haven't heard anything of that. We got football going on. We got baseball. They're just, what, the NLDS is about to start up this week. Cubs are out. But sucks, but, you know, it is what it is. And then we got NFL currently going on also. And then the Stanley Cup just ended. And it's just been like a shit show in the U.S. as far as sports. And then you come up and then you got games being moved back left to right because COVID's starting to spike up again because, you know, the flu season's about to start up and officially enter October. The president has it. So there's just been a lot going on where I wouldn't be surprised if this Mexican squad, more people actually ended up catching COVID and there were suspected cases for teams and a lot of them aren't able to travel. So we'll see what ends up happening, but hopefully that's not the case and especially on the Netherlands side. But if you really think about it, this friendly, which doesn't really mean jack shit, is putting a lot of people at risk. Yeah, from the Mexican side, yeah, because we have to, we obviously have to travel. I think the Netherlands, since Europe's done a better job, and since they can fucking travel all the time, um, they may not be as bad as us. But yeah, it's it's that is a thing that we have to look at. But um, I mean, hopefully, just everything goes good because we, this is our first time in Europe in like I feel like fucking years, centuries. Our first friendly in Europe, and we we've been asking for these friendlies against against fucking good teams instead of you know Guatemala and Nicaragua or whatever. But hey, hey, Guatemala needs some respect, okay? Oh, mean. It's like they're putting. What'd you, uh, <laughs> let's talk about that a little bit. What What do you think of the game? What do you think of the game? Uh, the game was okay. After the first half, the second half sucked. Yeah, the second half was, was like, absolutely really put, it, just, it was just parked the bus, and we were trying to penetrate them the whole yeah. time. And we had five Chivas Whoa. players on that team, so I'll let you know about how good that went. <laughs> <So> <laughs> bro, the last 30 minutes were but, garbage time the last 45 yeah, minutes, garbage bro. Time. Yeah. Yeah, they should have just called them trophies. I had them trying to do tricks in the middle and shit. It would have been more entertaining. Dog, it was. But um, yeah. what? <laughs> it was bad. 
I was I was watching the highlights at work, and I was just like, uh, like every now and then, just listening to the game in the background. I'm just like, Cordova looked really good. Yes, he did. So did um, what is it called, Antuna? Yeah. Which you know, on that goal with Orbelin Pineda, Bro. you kind of think as a Chivas fan, like what could have been. Yeah. But you know, as far as the money they needed, they needed that money that they sold those players for to be able to buy Antuna. So I get it because he was so expensive. But it's like, damn, like what would be able to do with an attacking, like minded, offensive player like Orbelin Pineda that can play on the wings, that can play in that centralized midfield position and find space especially with you know Nena Bertrand's been out because of the COVID and they're saying that his lungs still haven't recuperated that they're like at 60 to 70 percent and it's just unfortunate because you know we're we're over here playing with Molina and he scored a great goal he ended up he's actually Liga MX's uh, player the player the what is it called the tournament like as far as starting 11 but he ended up getting carted off the field being injured basically so we'll see where Chivas go with that but as far as Mexico I'm excited for this thing uh, you know, as far as not, none of these Chivas players traveling, I think it's the right call. Except for Thibaut Sepulveda was the only one that was allowed to leave. I think it's the right call for them. That was amazing for and, you Chivas, know, by the way. What, what, exactly. a, what a decision and, that and, was. Now we actually have to play Pollo? Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, exactly. And we'll see, though. He's flopping all over the field like he did against Tigres. We'll see how good he does. But, uh, yeah, they actually played tonight, so I'm excited for that. But what is it called? Um, as far as everybody else on the Mexico national team is concerned, it's um, Piojo's right. And what he was saying, the America coach, as far as what was happening. And, you know, he's like, man, a lot in case nobody, you guys don't know, Memo Ochoa got injured at one of the practices for the national team. And Piojo was pissed, obviously, as he would. His starting goalkeeper, Mexico's number one starting goalkeeper as of right now. And he ended up getting injured. And he was kind of saying, he's like, you know, we're in playoff hunts. Other coaches, it's like he might be able to afford it, but other coaches might not be able to afford it. And, you know, especially with the Liga MX carousel, I think it was a little bit overblown. Just because uh, with the new rules, there's no relegation. So, you know, there's no pressure to even perform well. So w- what does it matter? Like, you're not, no one's going to drop down. It's like, why, I don't even know why Atlas fired, uh, like, Puente Jr. It's like, you might as well just keep for the year, bro. Like, you're not even That's what better. I'm saying. Like, well, like, they still lost against Nakaxa, like, yesterday. Toluca so fired Chepo fucking yesterday. Mazatlan like, fired yeah, Valencia. Like yeah, it's like, who, who are you going to bring in? Juan Carlos Osorio? Like, like come yeah, on, like, come on, bro. Joke, man. Palencia just got there and with the team to, to Mazatlan. He was there exactly. for what? He's, what, 13, 13 games. That's it. Off. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I was kind of making fun of it. You know, I still run that Mazatlan. Oh, FC, yeah, go uh, account, go follow so Mazatlan E. A.K.A. <laughs> <laughs> Cockroach City, Cockroach FC, baby. So, you know, we out here representing. But it was just like, I was just kind of making fun of a tweet I posted. I was like, I kind of quoted it, the official tweet from Mazatlan, and I was like, well, what did you expect? I was like, losing against Chivas was the last straw. <laughs> so I got some traction. That was, that, was, that was pretty funny. But yeah, it's like, what's honestly the point? And then I brought, I saw another good point brought up by Birdie. Uh, it's like a Mexican hat trick. I forgot, I forgot what, it's, what it's called. It's like little, little hat trick or something like that. But he brought up a pretty good point. He's like, I wonder how the, how the, how long the leash would be if these coaches weren't Mexican and they were something else. Because you see coaches like the one at Cholos, especially with all the talent and depth that they have, and they're still performing like trash. It's like, and he used to, for, and uh, what is it? Uh, what was his name? I forgot, but he used to coach Morelia. Now he's coaching them. Gue, uh, was it Güemes or Guedes? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Sorry, I almost got that name mixed up. But you see kind of coaches like him and other coaches that aren't Mexican, and you see the long leash that they have, and it's like, well, is it because, you know, I don't want to bring race or anything like that into it. It's like as far as ethnicity, but you kind of start questioning. It's like, why do these coaches have such a long, what is it called, uh, like leash as far as Mexican coaches when they don't? 
It's like Valencia, I feel like no matter where he's gone, he's had such a short leash, he hasn't had time to do anything. And for once, I thought Masalan would be the right choice for him, just because they were a new team and they weren't expecting much. But apparently they expected too much, because they have they they, they been doing so hot, but at the same time, it's a brand new team, and they just exported the people that they could from Morelia, and it's kind of turned into a shit show, because you see Sosa, he's about to leave here soon. What do you think about that, though? No, definitely. I mean, l- listen, I, I understand, uh, with the t- looking coming back to Piojo, I understand his concerns. I realize he made the opposite concerns when he was national team coach, but hey, that's the world we live, I mean, you know, that's the headbutting exactly. that's going to happen yeah, in these things. Um, they both want, they're, it's kind of, they're both right. You know what I mean? Like, they're both right. Tata needs his yeah, team. Exactly. Mexico needs to play at the same time. They have a club responsibility, and the club coaches are going to be pissed if anything happens. So I get it. Um, it. It is kind of different. I feel like a little bit in terms of like you said. There's no obviously there's no pro rel for five years, so like there's no chance of going down. There's also a much higher chance to make the Liguilla now with twelve teams. You know. Getting into, yeah, the, exactly. getting into the was that made to help Chivas? Getting into the wild. I don't know. Card. We're not here to answer those questions, all right? <laughs> it's like we, we just know Chivas. We would have made like yeah, if these were the rules the past three years. So like with <laughs> and I wouldn't be getting hate on Twitter for it, you know. It's like as far as all these Americanistas out here. But with, with the with the Pressing with the wild point. cards that we have now, the wild card rounds that we have now, uh, you know, I think that gives a little bit more flexibility so teams can can give players up to Mexico. I mean, here's the thing: like COVID fucked up so much. We now have such a short time to prepare for next year where everything's going to happen. The Gold Cup, the Euros, the Olympics. It's going to be a it's going to be a huge I don't even want to think about how the logistics is going to work in all this with the club competitions going on, with everything going on. But yeah, imagine three different Mexico squads. Sorry, I didn't mean enemy patrol, but imagine three different Mexico squads as far as for all the competitions going on next next year. So, you know, we have two every now and then with uh, Copa America when we participate in the same year as the Copa Oro. But it's like, you know, it's like the U.S. The U.S. is looking strong out here with some of these guys, man. It's like, I don't mean to panic. You know, we should be a little bit worried. But at the same time, they're going to treat them like they, they would treat Mexicans out there. They're going to make them work twice as hard. And they're probably not going to be on the match day sheet. It's like you're telling me Dembele can't get on the match day sheet. And you're going to tell me this guy Des that just showed up at Barcelona is going to be making like game day like sheets. It's like, nah, man. It's like. I, I, I highly doubt it. I think they're going to be okay players, but it's like there's all this hype whenever players get signed to bigger teams, and it's like, that's cool, but are you going to start? <laughs> it's it's a thing where it's like, uh, like, yeah, I think it's kind of being a little bit overblown. Like, lads, like, like y'all don't understand like how easier it is for American players, like American citizens in general, to oh, yeah, go definitely. overseas, yeah. to have those opportunities, yeah. bro. Like. It's way easier. It's way easier. Uh, of course there's going to be Americans spread across all around the globe. That's how American people are. You, th- you, you think about it too. A lot of these players are still part of that program that Klinsman was running because people forget when Klinsman was running the U.S. national team, he wasn't just running the team, bro. He was running everything. He was running the scouting thing, bro. He was running, the, thing, he was, he was we running were, the scouting. Yeah, so he, was, he was picking off talent from like Germany. Bro, yeah, bro. We had like, the they had third like division. And a lot of those same players, exactly, are, are still in those same positions nowadays. Yeah, bro. Remember like, Timothy Chandler? that same thing. Yeah, Anybody exactly. remember Julian Green? Yeah, a lot of players like that. Oh my god, you mean the Hamburg legend? Oh, Anybody don't get me started on green? him. I mean, come on. Like, remember when he played for Bayern for like that uh, preseason? Yeah. And then that was it? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. And obviously, I'm not disrespecting the talent that guys like Dest and Pulisic have with McKinney. These are the outliers, but I'm just saying as a whole, it's yeah. not going to be... I don't think it's going to be exactly. what people and think it's it funny is. it's funny because... 
No, I won't. And most of those players they bring up, like Pulisic, it's like he, like the U.S. isn't responsible for his like uh, development. It's like Borussia is. It's like they're the ones that he went over there and he moved as a kid. It's like if you guys ever heard the story that he had advice, it's a, it, it's a pretty good 30-minute story where they talk to him, his father, and they talk about what was going on. His dad was like, "There's only a certain point where it goes up to here in the U.S." And I, and I asked my son, it's like, would you be willing to take on this risk if you actually wanted to become successful at this? And they knew to do that, they had to leave the United States. So what's that saying about player development in this nation currently at the moment it leaves a lot yeah, to be it's, desired it's to and he knew desired. that Borussia mm-hmm. exactly yeah and then there was another thing too it's like Croatia was just they were just World Cup runner-up you know what I mean it's like and he could have declared for them but he didn't he ended up declaring for the U.S. so whenever they play in Mexico you see that he does have quality on the field it's just nobody around him has the same quality and that's why the it, U.S. still sucks and I think that's that's also the thing that people get wrong I, I've been seeing tweets from like Spanish tweets in Spanish obviously Mexican media are like Mexican people kind of inflating it being like oh yeah the the they're saying like oh yeah the M- the mls springboards talented europe liga mechies doesn't like lads which one i'm talking a bit british here which one of those american players that y'all say actually were good, developed in the mls <laughs> mckenny mckenny declined a, a homegrown contract with fc dallas so he could go overseas to germany you know what i mean like dest i i don't even know if he's ever been in the u.s <laughs> Like ever since I've known, no, him, I don't he's know. I've never seen. Dutch. I never been walking on the street and been like, "That's Dest." Like he plays for such and such team. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, bro. Like all of them have been developed. Like Pulisic went over there at the young age, and you know what I mean. Tyler Adams is maybe the only one that actually fucking played in the MLS with Red Bulls. But yeah, like, exactly. Come on, guys. Like Gio Reyna, Claudio Reyna's son. I guarantee. Like he probably don't even remember the US. <laughs> Yeah, it's real talk. He never he been there once, once two, two, three times. He's gonna be playing for the U.S. That's one of those things. Like they'll start sniping talent, and that's okay. It's like Mexico does too. But you ever notice the talent? Like the differences. It's like whenever Mexico is trying to type stamp, uh, snipe talent, it's not the U.S. anymore. They're trying to pick off like some young Argentine kid. <laughs> They're just trying to naturalize a whole bunch of Argentine uh, Argentines. So Luca Romero. So we got Funes Mori. Yeah, exactly. Luca Romero. And then we got Funes Mori about to switch over. It's like, this is different. League, we already baby. have Santi Jimenez. You know I mean? It's like we out. We already here. have Santi Jimenez yeah, in the team Santi. sheet. Oh yeah, and he's and he was and he's all Mexican right there. It's like Giovanni Dos Santos. Like those guys are all Mexicans. It's like they were they grew up in Mexico. It's like that, they're Mexican. So I'm excited for that backdrop. And there's there's still youth as far as in Mexico. It's like we forget about that kid that was li- just lit up Tulum like not too long ago. You remember in the the twenty the U twenty uh, competitions. And uh, he's the he's the youngster for Santos. I forgot his oh, name. Oh, you're talking Stryker. about Aguirre, Eduardo Aguirre. Yeah, Aguirre. He's 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 gonna be really really good. It's like you know, I remember a few years ago we were just talking about who what's next after Chicharito, and now we have Macias, we got Martin stepping up, we got a whole bunch of young kids, and it's exciting, man. It's like we don't have to rely on Polito, we don't have to rely on these guys that are kind of aging out of the national team and aren't gonna be there, you know, in 2022. So it's nice to see like we got kids like the Aguirre kid from Santos and a whole bunch of other oh, people sure. kind of starting to step up. So we don't have to be oh, too go. concerned about our depth oh, okay but yeah we got a whole bunch of kids just that are starting to get it together and those worries we initially had about who would be the forward for mexico it's uh we, we don't have those same worries anymore we got that kid from santos we got you know henry martin stepping up we got jose juan macias which obviously he's not he's not doing hot right now he's in a slump everybody ends, ends up being in a slump we can kind yeah. of see it as a sophomore hey, he's slump still got four goals and five appearances sport. for the national team 
Yeah, exactly. He's amazing. And when he's with the national team, he's a whole different monster, man. I remember when he was playing for Leone, he got called up and he knew there was going to be scouts at the game. He lit it up and he was as selfish as i ever seen him play. He's not playing like that right now at Chivas, but I think that's he's suffering under the system. And I think Nene Beltran not being in the, the team and I think other players not being on the same page with him and like Vega coming back. He hasn't looked so hot recently, so he has to do a lot up there on his own. It's like I think the penalty he took was a good penalty. I think people were kind of overblowing everything. He's slowly going to get his confidence back, and I think that's going to be okay. I don't think that's all on Chivas, but I think it's on his mentally as well. No, definitely. And and apart from strikers, because I know strikers always been kind of the the, the the poorest depth we have at the national team, but apart from strikers, I mean, we got... You also got to rely on number 10s, playmakers, wingers to get those strikers goals. And we have plenty of that. We got, you know, right now oh, we yeah. have Corona and Lozano. Cordova looked amazing, Cordova man. Cordova looked amazing. I'm kind of sad that he didn't make the I'm team sheet for, him, man. for Netherlands. Know, but I'm for but yeah, Cordova, Antuna, who turns into a <laughs> fucking boss against lower-seeded <laughs> lower CONCACAF teams. <laughs> oh, bro. He he looks better than he looks better than Raul Jimenez against lower-seeded bro, teams. Bro, no against sense. fucking... He carried us that gold cup. Bro, against Cent Central us. America and Caribbean teams like they see Antuna in their nightmares bro I, I swear to god he turns into Ronaldo down he's the wing he's like exactly he really turns into Ronaldo down the wing he's like uh, the like the Chilean version of uh, what is it called Eduardo Vargas versus Mexico you know what I mean it's yeah. just a fucking demon running down the oh, field bro. and they're scared bro they don't know what to they do they don't know what to do bro the fucking pace they're like what the hell is it it's like they never seen it they're bro shook. They this is what Jurgen Dam was supposed to be this is what Jurgen Dam was supposed to be exactly Damn, damn. I still laugh whenever they do that, the Champions League compilation, like of Liga MX, and it's just like all the fucking bloopers. Yeah. And then at the end, like, instead of having Ronaldo, it's Jurgen. Like, fucking skinny ass Jurgen, bro. <laughs> Who's, by the way, like Jurgen's fucking, like, completely given into the whole meme thing. Because he just makes. Oh, it's amazing. He just bro. shit posts on, on Twitter and TikTok he just all the time. On TikTok. He's completely he given the, up. What is it called? He had a Ferrari, right? Yeah, he got a Ferrari. Oh, for, yeah, and he was like, he was like, damn, and this is without knowing how to do a sentence. Yeah, he's completely <laughs> playing Dude, into dying. it. Fair play to him, man. At least play into it, have some fun with it, get your money. He's winning at yeah, the end exactly. of the day. My, my favorite one is when he left and then he was like leaving his apartment, like, you know, on the TikTok. And then um, he was like taking all the stuff and then he like, he, he almost forgot a couple of things, but he's like, oh, you know, like he's like, he's like uh, one of the things said, it's like being able to throw like centros and then uh, being able to like actually been able to deliver them. And he was like, oh, I almost forgot this. And then he was leaving. And then as he left, like it fell out the back of his like little wagon. So... <laughs> <laughs> so that had me laughing like really hard but everybody was hating on him i'm just like damn like y'all act like y'all never seen a mexican go from mexico to the u.s it's like of course they're going to buy a nice ass car exactly, come on man y'all know the psychology behind this exactly, shit exactly so like the brand new i can imagine like, his fucking neighborhood y'all gonna bash damn he might live next to usher here. who knows yes yeah, bro talk can you bet in atlanta or that drake house like bro. that atlanta episode <laughs> he might be next to the migos mansion we don't know that's real talk. You don't, you don't know. You don't He's know. in yeah, this exactly. trap, That's bro. Remember Rich Homie Kwan? <laughs> <laughs> He's featured in one of his vines. No. <laughs> bro, there's only a matter of time before we before we see Jurgen Dam in a fucking Young Thug video. Damn, I can't wait to see it. He's going to have no shirt on. He's just going to be walking around. Everybody's going to be calling him Mick Lovett in the comment section. This bro, gonna it's going to be great. But yeah. <laughs> Goddamn. But yeah, bro. Looking at this Netherlands game. Uh, let's wrap this up real quick. Uh, okay. bro, you see the you see the you see the teams. Who what 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 what's your prediction, bro? What's gonna happen? What's the final score? My prediction is 
Oh god, because this guy didn't play that, didn't coach that well in the MLS either, so that's kind of saying something. And he had decent talent on that Atlanta team. Uh, I have to say they end up. No, actually, you know what? Fuck it. Mexico 3 1. This is oh. one of like, those division games. That, yeah, Mexico 3 1. I'm saying it. You know why? This is one of those division games where, you know, in the NFL, when they have, it's like no matter how well or how bad each team is. Is when you face that team two different times in the same year, it's like you guys fucking hate each other. And this is one of those where it's like Mexico. Everybody knows what happened in 2014, man. Tata knows what happened in 2014. Those players know what happened in 2014. They know people say that they're mentally weak. They're not tough. That Mexico is easily overtaken with things. And these players want to commit to that type of quality. And they're going to they're gonna show out. And I think they're going to do a good job of that. We got Raul Jimenez going to be playing down the field with Tecatito. I think it's not... I, I would... I think I still think it's going to be 3-1, but it's going to be a lot of substitutions, especially going into the second half. I think for both teams, because nobody wants to risk a lot of the club teams. Like, I think they have, like, agreements with a lot of these players cause, and uh, their coaches. Because you think about it, it's like a lot of these teams are, like, a lot of these players are very important players. Not only for, like, leagues to win, but actually, like, going to the UCL and everything like that when we're starting back up. So, I think 3-1 Mexico. I think Raul Jimenez has probably the best game of his life he's had for Mexico so far because he's in form. And I think Tecatito shows out. And I think Mexico looks decent in the back end for once. Okay, I told Michael this earlier when he was here, but I'll I'll, I'll, uh, I'll say it again right now. I don't think there's going to be a ton of goals just because DeBoer likes to play that boring football, likes that, likes that possession-based. And... Um, but I am going 2-1 win Mexico, man. And I'm, I'm going to say Good. there's got to be a I penalty like in this game. The confidence. There's got to be a penalty yeah, in this be. game. I'm gonna, there'll be two penalties in this I'm, game, and I'm calling that I'm now. saying Raul. I'm saying Raul slots one in, and I'm saying Chucky is going to make the other goal because I think, you know, we. It, it feels like forever that we haven't seen Lozano on the national team. I don't know why. Yeah, I know. Actually, is he is he going or no? I thought he was entering quarantine with Napoli. Well, if he does go. I thought they were yeah, saying he won't If he does go. If he does go. Okay. I'm, I'm going to say he scores. They got Tito too, man. Tecatito too, and I think especially I think it's gonna benefit Mexico if these guys uh, like a actually have possession of the ball most of the time because we're gonna see the likes of like Raúl Jiménez be able to play on the counter, and that's gonna be some something else, man. I really can't wait for to, to see that because that's where they play. He plays best with Wolves, you know what I mean? Especially with Tecatito on the counter, it's like and him playing the field and kind of bombing forward no matter what position he's playing. He plays very very well, and I think Talavera is gonna be solid. I think our defenders, they're going to be leave a little bit to be desired, but I think as far as in the midfield, I think we'll figure it out. So I think we'll be good. We got a lot of young talent, man. And I'm 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 excited to see uh I'm excited to see a, a, a lot of these guys. So, yeah. I'm really 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 excited. But yeah, so yeah, that's kind of our thoughts on the game, guys. Uh Nest, thanks Nestor for being uh fashionably late. We love to see it. Yeah, yeah, I already said this once before, but y'all can follow me at Antonio1998, double underscore, 200 scores at the end on Twitter. Follow FMFSOM and Viva Liga Mekis. We always want to support everything here for that Mexican written content. But yeah, it's going to be a good game, guys. Hopefully y'all, hopefully Mexico gets the W. We'll be back next week, uh, probably to talk Algeria. So it's going to be, it's going to be cool. So yeah, thanks for listening. Have a good day, guys.